O seas of Caladan, O people of Duke Leto, citadel of Leto fallen, fallen forever. From Songs of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome back to I've Read Dune with Rory Voy. He's Rory Voy. Mm-hmm. And that guy, you wouldn't believe this, but that guy has read Dune. Isn't that crazy? I'm Andy. I'm one of the story boys. And over there is the other story boy. His name is Austin. Hello. And we have, I think, if I'm not completely wrong, sort of a landmark moment here today because we have finished as of the end of this episode in the future i'm reading the tea leaves at the end of this episode we will have finished what they call book one of dune talk to me about that rory well uh it's a good it's a good place to be you know i think uh for if you were to write down the sort of plot of dune and then separate it by what's in book one and book two uh you would be surprised how little of the plot of Dune is in book one. It's kind of just this, this castle story, right? <laughs> should rename it. I mean, because every chapter has those has little teasers, right? With like, you know, uh, things about Muad'Dib, things about Paul that hasn't happened yet. It's, uh, I think just from a reading experience, you're kind of surprised how little has, not how little has happened, but like where you're at in the story Versus where you're at in the number of pages you've read, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Does it feel like when you're reading this book, does do you get the sense like that this? Obviously, I know we know it has multiple books, but like, are you are you like looking at how far you're you're splaying the pages? You're sort of doing that mental math. Like, I'm about a third of the way through. This doesn't feel like it's going to wrap up in one book. This feel like it's going to take like five books. Like, do you, do you I get def- that feeling? I definitely, I definitely did my first time reading it. Like. Kind of, uh, you know, if you've seen any of like, you know, a miniseries or a movie and you're sort of trying to place where you're at in the story again versus where you're at in the book, it's it's a little confusing. You're like, mm-hmm. this is this is still Paul non Muadi. How many more uh, family dinners am I going to have to sit through? <laughs> but, you know, it that makes it, by the by the end. So if you if you're familiar with the story, it, it can feel a little odd because the movie, like the the uh, the David Lynch movie or the miniseries, are plotted like a movie, so that this doesn't take up as much space. And I, I think part of what's so cool about I mean, not part of what's so cool about the book, the book's a book, and that's uh, that's obvious. Everything's but it, cool about it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the fact that it doesn't kind of do that, uh, you know, Hollywood hero's journey story, you know, story structure makes it feel like you're reading something different. You know, it's not just a fantasy novel, a sci-fi. You know, it's just, it's something a little... The 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 awkward pacing I found to to be an, ex, an enjoyable experience. 
not awkward, but, you know, different from what you would expect. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, how much do we have to cover today? Do we have a lot? Yeah, a little bit. They're, um, they're long in, in facts that happen. They're short in, you know, space and time that is elapsed. Actions taken. It. Yeah. You get to paint us a nice word tapestry, Rory. I guess that's I guess that's time transport, to do it then. Transport, transport me, me there. to Arrakis. Transport me. All right, guys. We're at chapter twenty-one. Uh, you might call this one Nasty Tooth Part Two. <laughs> okay. Right, because the previous time we had learned that that hot dad, you know, he got jerked over by Doctor Ua, and Ua was like, "I am gonna kill you, basically, but you're gonna die, and I could make you like." go in to take out take out the, the Baron. Well, it's interesting as well, because most of the time in movies and books and stuff, you see people and they take tooth out, they don't put, put tooth in. And you put tooth in, and that's very interesting and different. Right. Uh, and it was a nasty tooth. It's a bomb. Well, it's a poison, it's a poison bomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into it, guys. So uh, the, the chapter opens on Baron Harkonnen is in the... Uh, I suppose the throne room is the most likely place. I don't. I don't know that the room is is uh, defined. Uh, he he's hearing the sort of final death throes of of his invasion to the to the castle. Right, because we lost the hot pirate and we lost shout oh, out mapes. Fuck. I forgot yeah, the right. pirate. Mapes died. and the mapes and the sexy pirate are both are both Gonzo. Right. And uh, in comes well. Uh, I guess being dragged or, or brought before him is Dr. Yue comes to the room uh, and Yue, Yue demands that the Baron lives up to his side of the bargain to, to show him Wana. Yeah. Uh, which was obviously not a, not never going to happen. Never going to get it. <laughs> does, does Baron Harkonnen just sort of go, Ooh, no, no. Or does he like, does he like relish in it? Does he just sort of blow him off? Like what's the, like, I feel like that's a weird moment. It is a weird moment because we, the reader, know for a hundred percent that Juan is not dead or Juan is not alive, while Yue knows it's a one in a million. So it's like the the dramatic irony is pretty low for this moment. The Baron is the Baron is, um, I guess you could say, a little playful with this moment. But ultimately, the reader knows what the Baron knows is that Juan is dead. It's like seeing somebody hopeful in the last like ten seconds of game that the Hawks are gonna. That the Seahawks are gonna really pull this one out. You're like, well, they could still they get a you know a two point conversion and do a touchdown and then you know it's happened before. Flip you know. around and get another field goal. They could maybe do if it. I turn like my... no no no. Uh, and then uh, Baron Baron Harkonnen has Piter just kill the doctor. Boom. Whoa. Go go join your wife. Damn. Oh, how does he do it? Uh, I believe it's just uh, something of a, you know, murder. Just regular. I'm like, <laughs> is it a Chris, is it a Chris knife? Is it, it is, like a it, gun? It's not a Chris knife. Piter just it's it, 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 just murder. Okay. Like, kill, how does him. he do okay. it? Mm, murder. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and now we're we're sort of has has Duke Leto been like the, the 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 sort of shitty body of of dying Duke Leto has it been brought in yet or it is being brought in is the next thing i'm going to say ah uh, leto is not in this room but yeah the shitty body of dying duke leto is now brought before brought before baron harkonnen he's still heavily drugged and is trying to figure out what the fuck is going on uh but you know uh baron starts to interrogate him about jessica and paul 
which clues Leto onto the fact that they have gotten away. Oh, okay. You know, or or this is some sort of elaborate game, but for the most part, it is. We know again that they've gotten away. So right, because they they had their helicopter adventure. Yes, ornithopter. Shit. It, it, yeah, come on, dude. You're supposed to be. Whatever. We'll talk about this uh, later. Well, Piter informs the Baron about a missing ornithopter that was taken. <laughs> Ornithopters go missing all the time, though, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are uh, not not connecting the not connecting the uh, the dots on this one. There's a missing ornithopter there. Was- but teens and women can't fly ornithopters. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that that uh, Leto and Paul got away, that's or I'm sorry, Jessica and Paul have escaped. That's about all Leto has going for what, you know, for uh, sticking it around purposes. So at the uh, at the at the discovery that they've gotten away, Baron orders Piter to figure figure this shit out. Go find the boy and the mommy, and uh, Leto eats his tooth. Oh shit! Mm. Uh, well, I guess so. I suppose at first uh, that's a little out of order. Uh, there is some milling about where the the Baron is relishing how much torture he's going to do to Leto. Yeah, you got to have that. And uh, points point, points to Gross Piter, who's like he doesn't have all his tools, so. I guess I'll just have to use his hands. Ew. Gross. Don't use your hands. Yeah, he did. He just did murder with those. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on, Rory. So where yeah. where are all of Duke Leto's cool adult friends? Uh, unknown. Okay, we don't know where Guitar Man and Secret, well, and remember Secrets because Man and- they, they trusted UA and UA sort of like sprung this on him in the middle of the night and stole away with him. You know what I mean? Right. At least that's okay. the vibe that I got, right? It was just sort of like. You know, because he finds the the dead body of the pirate and is like, what the fuck is that? And then blow dart to the neck and then they're gone. So who's to say? Got it. All righty. So Barrett, so Leto eats, uh, Leto eats his tooth and shoots the poison out into the room. Uh, the Baron, because of his, do you remember the gravity suspensors? Of course. Yes. Sort of, How could sort I forget? Of, you know, flat guy, his, his, his fat man uh, sort of bobble suit. So he, he sort of shoots backwards and uh, escapes the the attack. Oh, that's a bummer. Everybody inside the room is poisoned. That includes, his, you know, uh, the Baron's men and uh, Piter. Right. Oh. Okay. okay. All right. So Piter does not survive. Well, he's in the he's in the poison room at the moment. Okay. Got he it. Not, he, d- he does not escape with the Baron. The Baron is not sure if he's escaped the poison. He's checking his vitals and stuff to see if. Uh, Right. You know, I mean, he was, he was still breathing. He just uh, scooted on out and hoped for the best. At this moment, the Leto has just gotten a, a Delta reasonably significant blow to the Baron. Given the loss of the Mentat and the loss of his, he can't question uh, Leto. It's a bummer for the Baron. And he can't, he didn't get to do, didn't get to do gross torture. Also, it's a bummer for us because I guess now Hot Dad Duke Leto is, is officially dead, right? Uh, yeah. That really does suck. And also, I bet that tooth before the dead tasted nasty. Yeah. I bet that was not good. One time, okay, so this is a really, this is a weird little anecdote, but one time I had like a, a like a weird infection in a, in a saliva gland and everything I ate tasted like just awful. And <laughs> I've just, I, I, I want you to know that this book just gave me a horrible sense memory now. Oh, about yeah. Mm-hmm. Poison in the mouth. Poison in the mouth. Ugh, God. Also, Leto never got to do one of those sort of brave dying, like, talk to talk to 
Paul as he's dying, you know, and be like, my son, you got it. <laughs> my passwords and the car. Do you get the car? Take the car, boy. The Elantra. <laughs> the Elantra is yours. <laughs> I have a spare in the in the drawer where all the paper clips and nails are. <laughs> spare Elantra? The key. Oh, the key. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna get we're gonna get uh, somebody from the Baron's um, retinue. One of his one of his I don't know if they're soldiers or guards. That their uh, their military background is a little left left uh, unknown because mm-hmm. he also has mercenaries. Anyway, a guy who they bother to name, who Herbert bothers to name, appears. Uh, Yakin Nafud. It's <laughs> an odd name. Yakin Nafud in all the wrong places. <laughs> he. He comes running up, tells the Baron that he uh, has had the halls vented, so there's no no poison in here. It's all good in the hood, baby. Uh, and the Baron tells him, good news, uh, you've just been promoted to Captain of the Guard, as everybody else of note uh, was in the poison room. Do you, do you, think, do you think the poison makes you throw up? Cause, Maybe. Because then you'd be like... <laughs> Well, you're lucky you weren't in that poison room or you'd be yakking the food all over the place. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, after yakking. No, uh, give it space. Give it space and time. <laughs> and that, that space is the planet Arrakis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now a Sardaukar enters and he is demanding to see Leto's body. Uh, this is not good for the Baron for a couple reasons. Uh, for one, it's embarrassing that he just let all this shit happen. That he wasn't supposed to kill uh, Leto uh, mm. before the Sardaukar had had a chance to to talk to him, right? Because Sardaukar are the Emperor's police, right? Yeah, and there were certain uh, certain rules that were supposed to be followed. It was supposed to be a you know a clean kill because because Leto is after all royalty related yeah. to the to the Emperor, and the Baron knows that. Uh, this room is just full of a bunch of Bush League torture implements. Aha. Uh-huh. Sure. So it looks bad. It looks pretty bad. Uh, but the Sardaukar have uh, authority to... to they, they are higher up than the Baron as an entity. Maybe not this particular Sardaukar, but like... And they're the certainly not at, literally higher up than the Baron with those hover <laughs> with things. This, with this hover chair. <laughs> so he has to let the, let the Sardaukar go examine the body. Do they yep, like it? He's hot. well he he knows the emperor will recognize leto's uh trickery as a weakness on the baron's part too that he he really bungled this this uh you know this coup ah you got you let yourself get caught by the nasty tooth maneuver (laughs) real stupid baron he also no longer has a mentat so he has to consider his new uh course of action yeah how's he gonna do all that math at the end of the chapter the Baron orders food and uh, a sex slave <laughs> that looks like Paul Atreides to, to uh, whatever happens, I guess. For him or just to be around? Do well, we... I, think, I think there is a, a possibility he likes the idea that this, this, uh, this spry young fellow looks a lot like Paul. I guess I'm just trying to sort of position my feelings on this about whether or not he's into Paul say, or right. if he wants a body double for something nefarious. Like like all intimations of nasty sex in this book, there's a plausible second reading. But mm. uh think what you want to think. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 
All right, that's chapter 21. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. All right, this one, this one's a, a longy, so bear with me. God, wouldn't it just piss off Rory if I dropped a sound effect of a bear growling every time he said <laughs> bear with me? Oh, we're cutting all of them. <laughs> what if I didn't, though? Oh, we keep all the pauses in and, I'll, and, and add some bear sounds? We just fill it with bear sounds. <laughs> Chapter 22 is going to open on Paul and Jessica sitting in what's described as a still tent. I think this is sort of a desert life raft from the ornithopter sort of uh, structure. Okay. Do you remember how last we saw them flying off in the ornithopter, there was uh, so another was ornithopter following them? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right, so we are going to find that that was piloted by Mr. Duncan Idaho. Oh, all right. Uh, Jessica is going to start explaining to Paul uh, why UA betrayed them, because Paul didn't know anything about Juana. <laughs> uh, or did he? Because Paul, th- this is a neat, a neat chapter. So, so Paul is surprised it took his mom so long to kind of figure this out, that UA is the betrayer. Mm. Um, why didn't Paul say anything? <laughs> well, this... <laughs> This is the moment that I, he was not he he was not quite as intelligent before as he is in this now in this exact moment. He is. Uh-huh. And Jessica's observing like she's the one who trained him. She knew he was smart. Uh, Paul is becoming distressingly smart and sort mm. of spooky. Like people on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paul is also in this in this moment of like, you know, uh, heightened heightened awareness Paul is confused about his lack of emotion, considering the death of his father. Uh, you remember how we, we we talked about how the Mentats, right? They're, uh, they're these sort of you know math wizards, sort of, and, and and he's he's concerned that his he's he's locking into his ability to sort of like calculate the future and and, and connect connect things sort of Sherlock style, mm-hmm. and that this sort of math math wizardry is taking the place of his emotions. Okay, like if he spends too long in his mind palace, he's just going to become <laughs> I'm more palace than boy now. <laughs> I is this at all related to I mean I'm sure it is, right? But like like I'm just I'm just trying to draw a parallel because I'm remembering the scene that we had between Paul and UA where he found the Bible verse mm-hmm. earlier on. Is that is are we to sort of believe that Paul had sort of maybe unbeknownst to himself maybe been giving like been given like I don't know, insight into into UA's situation, but like is only really tapping into this power now. Like, is that what you're saying? Like, this is this is new. Kind for of. Paul. It doesn't it we don't get uh a callback to anything like that. But I uh-huh. think that's a reason that's a reasonable inference. Okay. Uh so they've got a radio going and uh Paul and Jessica are listening to the Sardaukar pretending to be Atreides men and uh <laughs> destroy uh, destroying the guild banks. Oh, oh! So it's uh, a frame, like a frame job. It's like a frame job. Uh, Paul immediately uh, figures, puts two and two together again. We're sort of getting another example of Paul's ability to sort of to do a little Sherlock Holmesing in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because if the Spacing Guild thing. is against <laughs> House Atreides, then their people are uh, will be stuck on Arrakis. The the guild won't evacuate anybody or let the, or let them. I don't know, by passage uh, on the spacing. Our Muad'Dib uh, Columbo. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, then Paul begins to consider that old, the old, the old chestnut desert power. Oh, like, like sea power. Yeah. Yeah, Like like ocean power. power. Ocean ocean power. power. And that, uh, it's, it's how clear it is that to, to hold Arrakis, uh, without the Fremen is just such a bullshit waste of time. What if we treat them like people? (laughs) (laughs) So Jessica says that. It's impossible for the Fremen to be as powerful as you suspect and, and, and remain hidden on, the, on a planet that has such, such value to the Emperor and to the Guild. Paul tells her that they, they must be paying the Guild to, to ignore the Fremen. Hmm. The Fremen are paying oh. to, to sort of be left the fuck alone. Go under the radar. Yeah, selling... Uh, Presumably with spice. With spice, yeah. Trading it themselves rather than letting uh, whoever's mining it sell it. Yeah. Interesting. Jessica scolds him for trying to be smart boy. He's not a like fully trained mentat or Cuisette Sadarat. And Paul's uh Paul's a little mini meltdown because he thinks he's a freak. Uh, uh for his this uh yeah, I said that these new powers are just are really hitting him in this exact moment. You don't understand, Mom, I'm all powerful. <laughs> it all makes sense. It's all <laughs> clicking together. As Paul has a little calm down. He he does uh, then inform Jessica that uh, Leto never suspected her and all that all that stuff uh, that it was part of a plan. Yeah, that she didn't get to know about. <laughs> yes, that she didn't get to know about. She's like, "Well, I have my own plan. It had a pirate, and it was awesome." <laughs> How Where is, is that, that pirate, pirate by, the way? by the way? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jessica has a little weep, and this I think this is the second time uh, this has come up. That Jessica's has this weird thing with, well, not weird, I guess, with the context of the book, but uh, uh, given that she's not a Fremen, uh, she's she's constantly noting that crying is a waste of moisture, right? Oh, not right. It's, it's happened metal. once before, but it's pretty metal. Uh, so she gets her gets her shit together. Stops, but also stops wasting here, moist. Crying is crying is definitely worth worth the moisture. <laughs> stop crying, <laughs> my son. Keep the moisture inside. Keep your insides moist and your outsides Keep your crusty. tears inside. <laughs> <laughs> like a pie, like a well-made pie. Paul now asks Jessica uh, if she knew he'd become like this, this sort of, you know, calculating machine. She uh, is a little bit uh, cagey on the topic, but uh, I think g- generally, no, she did not know that he would be uh, different than either a, a Benny Jesuit or a Mentat. He's, but now it's like he's, he did uppers and downers all at once. Like he's dope, both yeah. drunk and high. Yeah. yeah he's on, uh, he's on a spice. He's on an eight ball, uh, some sort of spice, some sort of, I've drunk. Some sort of speed ball. I'm high. My mom won't let me cry. My dad died. <laughs> a pirate died. I'm out in the desert. Why? <laughs> I'm hot. I, I'm sweaty in weird places. Those changes are happening. And now, and now you all just look like pushpins on a wall, connected with string. <laughs> and I've seen the Chris knife. <laughs> uh, Paul tells his mom that uh, he's had another one of his uh, uh, future dreams. Spooky. That he has awake now. I think the last one was supposed to be asleep, but he has okay, had a waking he's had dream. like a standing nap. Yeah. Uh, and tells her that they're never going to leave Arrakis, uh, that, that they're too sort of taken by the spice and that they're uh that's just is what it is Ooh, that's a good album title <laughs> he tells jessica they're gonna find a home with the fremen 
where the Bene Gesserit's Missionaria Protectiva will allow them to play a role in religious prophecy come to life. Uh, yeah. Well, that's... You, you, I, I, you remember, Austin, that they've, they've set themselves up to show up and just be messiahs by seeding religion all across the galaxy. Right, right. Yeah. Sorry, I got distracted thinking about the Judge of Change having their new <laughs> album... Uh, <laughs> Taken by the Spice. Taken by the Spice. (laughs) Lady Jessica uh, starts to, I guess, complain about, uh, that's sort of a diminutive, she, you know, curses at the Harkonnens for for all their atrocities. And Paul has learned something else in his waking dream, uh, that he and Jessica are both Harkonnens. Lady Jessica is the Baron's... uh, just go with it, because he just drops this on her. It's not really, this is not a Sherlock moment where we get to see the clues. Uh, <laughs> They're Lannisters. <laughs> Jessica is the Baron's daughter, uh, Paula's grandson. Ah, uh, Why didn't Jessica know? Is it like a weird, she, like... So he, she knows She knows that she doesn't know her, her patronage, or, yeah. yeah. Remember the, the, the Benny Jessert take you, and right. uh, you, don't, you don't know. Matter. Yeah. There's a bit. There's a bit of. Uh, it, she starts figuring out that um, if she is of Harkonnen lineage, then Paul could never have been, or her, the daughter she was supposed to have, could not be then wed to the Harkonnens for, uh, uh, you know, to, to squash a beef, squash right, a political totally. beef, which is important, I guess, in that um, it retroactively lets her off the hook for having a boy. Well, there's yeah, that there's that. <laughs> And shit, I lost it. Uh, she, oh yeah, because then her child must have been planned for for something else, like uh. cosmically planned, or yes. Remember the Benny Gesserit do their do their sort of uh, breeding plans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul says it's time for them to uh, to find to seek out the Fremen. Jessica asks uh, why they would help Paul and Jessica. Paul says, you know, he's he's the one they call Muad'Dib uh, or Mahdi, I think is their their word. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the completion of like figuring out all the shit that's been going on behind the scenes and formulating a plan, Paul's emotions return. He sort of leaves the sort of mind. The mind palace. Zone, the mind palace. Yeah. The avatar state. The right. avatar state. Exactly. Dang. And that's the chapter. End of book wow. one. I see. That's a pretty clear delineation then. It is. It's like, okay, we gotta we gotta stop doing doing this Harkonnen Atreides shit. Dad's dead. We're on the run, and it's time to find, you know, the Fremen and time to pursue that shit and follow the Muad'Dib part. That's yeah, that's pretty clear. I'm interested not to bring everything back to the movie. Sure. Uh, but I am interested how far this movie is going to go because clearly there's yeah, we've a lot seen of Fremen in the shot. There's a lot of yeah. Zendaya. Zendaya yeah. hasn't even shown up yet. Uh, it's Zendaya, first of all. Well, that's, you know, we're personal friends, and she she didn't, <laughs> she didn't say that. She didn't. It didn't come up, so I feel really embarrassed. I guess, so I mentioned Duncan earlier, but then not for the rest of the chapter. He has gone off to go find the Fremen, for Paul has instructed him to go make contact. Ah, uh, okay, okay, cool. That's where he's been off to. So he nice. lands briefly. The you know they bump fists and then Bro. business time. Arrakis, business time. Arrakis runs on Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you tire of the jokes we make, Rory? 
It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't uh, matter. He's our prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> Forced to tell Dune until its completion. <laughs> Shahrazad telling tales until <laughs> to forestall your execution. <laughs> should we? Should we try and try and summarize what you what you've heard today? Yeah. Okay. Andrew, how do you feel about taking this? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's you. I think you I, get to do it. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, cool. Just as I planned. Um, so basically in these two chapters we covered, uh, we had the deadly confrontation with Duke Leto where he eats his stinky tooth and <laughs> fails to kill the Duke, but does kill Piter. I, did we get, we don't, yeah. we don't fully know yet. Or did we, did we get a confirmation of death? We did because the Baron was like, fuck, now I don't have a Mentat. Right. And then the Sardaukar come on marching marching in they're like oh uh this isn't good dude you really goofed on this one um and it looks bad and you got all this torture shit and yeah i wouldn't you know (laughs) i I don't love the space you're in right now i don't love the energy (laughs) that's happening in this room and the baron is 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 really pissed about that and then the next chapter that's the chapter right yeah Mm -hmm. also did we get a a title for chapter 22 rory no, uh, let's call chapter 22 uh, with a boy who can't cry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and then in the second chapter we read in chapter 22, uh, Paul and Jessica are in their ornithopter and they're they're fleeing and Duncan Idaho is behind them. And Paul goes into his his avatar state, mind palace, and is just like everything's clicking for him. He learns all these things. They're in a still tent. <laughs> and they're still in a tent. They're still in a tent. <laughs> and he learns that he and his mom are Harkonnens. And that's yeah. whack. And that's whack. And he needs to go see the Fremen. Yep. And then yeah, that's, that's the, the end, end of book, book one. And how many and now how many pages uh have we saved the listener? Oh, you want to do this every time? Okay. Not every time, but it's the end of book one. I wanna I wanna get like a, you know, that sort of finger in the you know and thumb checking out mm-hmm. the thickness of page in the you know in the book and like all finger right how much in is the thumb this? yeah in the shape of an l on my forehead okay so according to kindle on my tablet we've out of out of a, a total of 793 pages we've saved you 325 damn damn that's that's savings right there that's good <laughs> savings. I also erroneously, last time you asked me that question, I erroneously quoted uh, 883 pages, not remembering that that includes the appendices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. Which nobody counts as part of a book, right? Well, I do read them immediately after cover cover. <laughs> but not this time. Not this time. So yeah, that's like, that's like over, that's a good fucking chunk. So you're it's welcome. A good fucking chunk. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you want to hear more shows from us, we have two more for you. The Infinite Backlog is our extremely exciting Marvel podcast where we started at 1961 and we move 
forward with way too much reading. Wham, bam, pow. <laughs> and you get to hear almost every week Rory and Shane complain about how much reading it is. There's so much reading. It's always Warlock. <laughs> it comes out most Saturdays. Saturday morning, Tuesdays, you guys. It's the show that started it all. Uh, you can hear me, Rory, and Andy. And we are on this journey most Tuesdays where we are looking through the weirdest and wildest, coolest and droolest uh, <laughs> cartoons, children's cartoons, adult cartoons from all across the spectrum of time. We're going to cover your favorite show. Maybe we're going to talk about the ones you hate. Probably. <laughs> and it's a great, wonderful time. So be sure to catch that. And of course, if you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, really, and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon chock full of bonus content, everything from videos to sound clips to even some fun art that I get to make for you once a month. Um, and, you know, even if you can't support us monetarily, if you don't have anything to give, we would just love it if you joined our Discord and send us memes. <laughs> um, send memes to us all day long. Keep us awake all night long with your memes. We love memes. We consume them. Just ruin us with your memes. <laughs> Please ruin us with your memes. As always, our links are in the episode description. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Laters. Laters.